Thank you, Travis. Thank you, band, for leading us in worship. Yes, you can give them a hand. Well, we all know what today is. Today is uh, May 11th, Sunday. It's Mother's Day, and uh, it is a special day. And, and I'm really privileged this morning that uh, on, on many Mother's Day, when you live far away from parents, how many of you live far away from, from your moms? Or you are a mom and live far away from your kids? Right, kind of cover cover the gamut here, and and so it's it's oftentimes not possible to spend special occasions together and special days together, and and today we're Shannon and I are very blessed and very privileged that uh, we have both of our moms here this Sunday, so we have to be on our absolute best behavior, and uh, and we are just very glad that they're here this morning, and and scripture, you know, when we think about all the commandments that are in the Bible, the ten commandments, the ten big commandments, can you believe? That one of these most important commandments that God has placed before us is the very commandment right in the middle that says, Honor your father and mother. That's a command of God. So we're com- I, have to, I have to honor them today. But I don't just have to, I want to. And we want to honor our moms. And I think a day like Father's Day and a day like Mother's Day are such important days for us to pause and to think about our moms and to think about our dads and to think about this family unit that God has created for us. And now I know that Mother's Day is not equally joyful for everyone. And I think some of you today, the pain is especially great because you remember maybe your mom who's passed away in this year or in years gone by and a day like this maybe kind of rubs on that, uh, on that wound a little bit and, and also is a time for you to remember. And so you kind of maybe get a little more pensive and, and thoughtful on that day and remembering those great memories you have of your mom. Others of you long to be moms and and maybe can't be moms. Maybe there's infertility. Maybe there's been challenges or struggles. Or maybe your family's been separated through unfortunate circumstances and it's a difficult morning. Some of you maybe don't have a great relationship with your mom or maybe with your kids. And so this day is is just a reminder that 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 relationship isn't right and maybe isn't where where it needs to be or or you pray for that that, that restoration. And we just want to acknowledge all those things today and knowing that not everyone... Um, maybe celebrates or thinks of this day equally. But we do want to acknowledge the important roles that God has placed uh, mothers in our lives. And maybe it's not just your physical birth mother, but maybe it's an adoptive parent. Maybe it's the the community that we share as a church. And I know we're blessed by by people mothering our children here when they're in in their classes or when they're in children's ministry or or, um, together in the community in small group. And, And we really share as a family in, in a whole different way. And so we just want to honor and acknowledge all mothers. But this morning, because I do have the unique opportunity that to have our moms here this morning, maybe representative of, of the gratitude that all of us have for our moms, I just want to say a couple of, of words specifically of gratitude and appreciation for, for both of our, our moms this morning. And, and I think back to to my mom, and I think about stories, and, and one of the, the couple stories that just kind of jump out in my mind are when I broke my leg on a, on a skiing accident, and I busted my leg right through both bones and below my knee, and, and I remember her after I came home from this, the skiing accident, and the next day I had to go to the hospital, and I remember she was just there each step of the way and agonizing with me as my leg was being set and put into the cast, and I was going through the roof, and, and I think she felt that pain probably as much or more than I did, and it just reminded me of the care that our moms show us. And I think about times when 
I'm trying to decide, you know, where to, what college major, and we're making all these decisions and trying to figure out where to go. And again, that agonizing and, and, and that wisdom that our moms have spoken into our lives. And again, I'm so thankful for my mom's wisdom. And I think about college when I used to go out with friends or spend some time together and, and, and my mom reminding me who I am and, and, and whose I am as a follower of Christ and probably spending many hours on her knees uh, praying while we were out. And, and again, just the, the faithfulness of a mom that prays. And, and I think, in a, and, and even for our community here as a church, when we launched this church before the grand opening Sunday, before that week, Shannon and I started getting into almost like a, a panic mode. Things were really tough. Things were really rough to try to get everything together. And I remember sending out an SOS to my mom saying, help, <laughs> help, we're starting a church. We need help with the kids. And she was on the plane um, literally the next day or two and, and was here to help. And, and just some snapshots of just the, the wonderful influence that, that my mom has had and, on, on my life and on our life. And, and when I think about Shannon's mom, uh, Karen, and, and, and when I think about it from a perspective of just the blessings of moms who have just modeled a life of faith, who have lived that out before us. I'm just so blessed for that and for the way that you have raised Shannon and the values that you have stilled in her. That is just a, such a blessing in, in my life and for all of us as a family and, and the roles that you are as, as grandmothers to our kids and the way you care for them. It's just a real special um, relationship that, that we share, and, and it really is an honor to have you here this morning. And so on behalf of all moms, I get to wish a special happy Mother's Day to, to my moms. And if you would just come up, I have a little little bouquet for you and just want to want to thank you each. So would you come up and give give my mom a hand? We're here because of them and, and Shannon as well. So either one, <laughs> you can pass those on. So let me come over here and give you a, a hug. Thank you. We are in this series called Facade, and we've been talking over the last several weeks about these, these facades that we build up in our lives. The facade is this front, it's this face that we put up, that we build up, and many times what we present to other people in church, at work, at school, with our family, with friends, sometimes that facade is just the front, and what really is happening on the inside is maybe quite different. Maybe we're trying to, to, to cover up some deep wounds, some hurts, some insecurities, things that we don't want other people to know, sins, addictions, challenges, troubles, issues in the past. And we feel this pressure sometimes to be something we're not or to be something that other people expect us to be. And so what we're trying to do over these several weeks is week by week, peel back some of these layers and maybe try to break through that facade and really focus in on one of the key verses that we looked at in the first week. In 1 Samuel, where it says, man looks at outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. And to recognize that we can't fool God, we can't, you know, we may be able to put a facade up over other people and other things, but God knows and God sees our heart. And so we want to, we want to really dial in to say, God, how can we be true and authentic to ourselves and who you've created us to be? And this morning, I don't have a message for you. And I'm privileged that my wife gets to share this morning. And speaking of great moms, uh, Shannon is the, uh, the co-founder of One Community Church. And she's also the CEO of Team Pink, which is uh, the affectionate name that we have given our family with four girls. And she's just a wonderful mom. And I think this morning we really want to look back, peel back some of the layers of, of maybe some of the facades that moms feel the pressure. And even that men can relate to in ways to, to present something that maybe it puts a lot of strain on us. And so this morning, I want to introduce to you my wife, Shannon, and would you please give her a hand as she'll be sharing 
this morning. So, thanks a lot. Good morning. Uh, as Mark said, uh, I'm a mom of four, and I also claim one community church as one of my kids. Um, born halfway in between the first two and the second two. And um, they were all born really close together, and so we like to do things really intense and hard in our family. Um, so I have kids, uh, my daughters are three, five, seven, and our eldest just turned nine last week. And um, so we're celebrating Miana's birthday, a week, um, or her birthday was last week, and we were selling it the week before that. And I spent hours preparing her birthday party, because we only have a birthday party for our kids every other year, because there's so many of them. Otherwise, I'm planning parties constantly, and we have to eat, too. And um, so I spent hours searching the internet and planning the perfect party for her. And of course, she's over my shoulder like every day going, Mom, Mom, have we planned our party yet? Yeah, but what about the food? What about the games? And it's like, okay, okay. So I spent hours on, on Pinterest and trying to figure out the perfect Hawaiian luau for our, our party and creating um, a tiki hut out of a large box. Thank you, Joe Jackson. And I cut out a, a five, six-foot surfboard out of that and painted it. And, and then the, the top was getting these tissue paper flowers and the, so like hibiscus flowers to put everywhere around. And we had this perfect setting for our Friday afternoon party. And if you think about two Fridays ago, the winds came in. And so we had the perfect party set up until five minutes before the party started, and the winds came in, and everything was knocked down. All my hours of work. They're eight and nine-year-olds. They didn't even really notice. So, And then, so then I sat back, and I thought, why did I put hours into this? And they didn't care. And thankfully, that didn't bother the party. It was fabulous and went off without a problem and without decorations. And... And so then really, what was the purpose of that? And Mark was so good at reminding me every step of the way, and I really tried hard to listen, to about perspective. What's the perspective? Why am I doing this? Am I getting too caught up in creating this thing and forgetting why I'm doing it in the first place? And really, was it so important to create hibiscus flowers out of tissue paper instead of focusing on my kid who's standing, Mom, Mom, can we, can we do puzzles? And I lost perspective a bit. And so then here's another one, and I'm, like, hoping that, like, moms, that you're, like, joining me in this, that I'm not just, like, yep, here's me, messed up. The other one that I wanted to talk to you about was on her birthday, the day itself, we always do this tradition, since we're not always having a party, they get to pick their dinner. Like, and they choose their favorite foods for the dinner. Um, you know, one of my children chooses macaroni and cheese. Good. Okay. Niana wants fondue because she's older and a little more sophisticated at nine. And so I'm getting this fondue dinner ready and I'm taking my little, my three-year-old and five-year-old, we're taking them to to the grocery store that day and I had to rush to the store and get home before the other ones got home from school so that they're not standing outside of our house in the car, carpool uh, neighbor was like, you know, I don't want to be that mom because that happens. Um... So I'm rushed in the, in the parking lot of the grocery store, and the two of them just go at it, like pushing, shoving. Um, if I don't stop it in time, it becomes pinching and biting, you know, the progression. And so I just, right there in the middle of the fries parking lot, I lose it on Annika and Anaya. And I just came unglued on them. And then right then, I turned, 
and the shopping cart attendant is going. <laughs> and I just almost burst out into tears right then. I was so focused on making this thing for Miana so she feels loved and special that I lost perspective with Annika and Naya and them feeling loved and special. And I was so worried about what the shopping cart attendant thought about my kids and my parenting and my mothering. Yeah. What does it matter what he thinks? I'm never going to see him again. And what does he know about my kids and our situation? But don't we do that to ourselves? Don't we become so focused on what it looks like to everybody else that we lose the perspective of what it really is and what it should be. And dads, I know you do this too, and so you can agree, and not, this isn't just for us moms, but, but if we're not careful, this parenting gig, you can lose your complete identity. And I didn't quite have the great perspective when I went into this that it's a 24-hour thing that it never stops. Because when I had my job before I started parenting, I would like, there were times that I could leave it and I could go home and just be me. And I didn't have 100% grasp on that doesn't happen when you're a mom. And then we kept having more and more children, and so that just compounds the problem. And there's so much pressure that we put on ourselves and that we put on others and that we think that others have on us. And that's not God wants for us. That's not what God has for us, and he's not pressuring us. Isn't it that the point anyway? And so as I was thinking about what this is, this mothering thing, and how before I felt like I was changing lives. I was in youth ministry, and I could see lives changing before me in my job. I felt like, I, you know, I make a difference in this world. And then I stopped that, and I started changing diapers. Thousands of diapers. And one of the things that I did as my youth ministry job, my job was to plan um, mission trips and retreats. To, to other countries. So changing the lives of the teenagers we were taking, but changing the lives of people in other countries. And I would plan camps for over 100 people. I could see a difference that I was making, and then I went from that to folding towels. And I feel accomplishment if I can get that load of towels out of the laundry room that's been sitting there for, I'm not kidding you guys, two weeks. Because there's no underwear in that load, so it's not like it has to be done, Right? And so couple all of that with the fact that motherhood brings up this thing that I really wish we could have left in junior high, and that comparing thing. That feeling like we need to be admired, and that, you know, when you, you're like, oh, moms, we do that to each other, and I hate it for us. I hate it for us. And we, we say we need to be admired, and we need to be thought of well, and we want to be affirmed that we're doing the way that we choose to put our children to sleep at night is the right way. And we stand them up beside us and say, look what my product is. Haven't I done a great job? Because in that moment, they stop being kids. They stop being our babies. They're products. They're these things that we create. So I asked myself, what makes a good mom? Because like, I'm asking that question all the time. And then, and then when Mark, we were talking about this series facade and saw that it fell on Mother's Day, I said, I think I have something to say about this. So I started searching and praying. And, and so I went to the Bible. That's the right thing. And I have three stories for you out of the Bible that I think really spoke to me about mom. 
about being a mom. And the first one, I want you to listen for the mom in this story. And it's on page, if you want to follow along, in the Bibles that are there, it's on page 732. And I'm reading out of John 6. It's about feeding the 5,000. After this, Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee, known as the Sea of Tiberias, and a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because he saw that he um, saw his miracles and healed the sick. Then Jesus went up to the hills and sat down with his disciples all around him. And um, Jesus soon saw a crowd of people coming, climbing the hill, looking for him. Turning to Philip, he asked Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, it would take a small fortune to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five loaves, barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that to this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus ordered. So all of them, the men alone numbered 5,000, sat down on the grassy slopes. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and passed them out to the people. Afterward, he came, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate until they were full. Now gather the leftovers, Jesus told the disciples, so that nothing is wasted. There were only five barley loaves to start with, but twelve baskets. Twelve baskets filled with pieces of bread that the people did not eat. When the people saw this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Did you catch the mom in that story? How many times have I heard that story in my life and I never caught what the mom did? The mom of the little boy packed his lunch that day faithfully like she did hundreds of times. That's what we do, moms. We do these little things. We pack lunches. We send them with our kids. And it was that small act of faithfulness, that boy going there with his lunch, that led to the feeding of 5,000 men, so they didn't even include the women and children in that. Her small lunch. Didn't think anything of it, really, probably. I mean, I don't think about it when I'm making the lunches every day. She doesn't get the glory in that story for her faithfulness. And we don't either, and we shouldn't, because if she got glory for packing a lunch and sending it with her son, then Jesus wouldn't get the glory. And the other part about it is, he was generous with his lunch. He was taught to be generous. In Jewish families, they're known for teaching well, teaching the stories of who they are, where they've been. And I can just picture this mom in the kitchen setting the table for, for lunch and every day and saying to her son, this food that we have, God gave us this food. This is not ours. This was given to us. And as he is generous with us, let us be generous with others because that's who God is and that's who we are. Teaching her son every day small lessons about who they are because of who God is. And on that day, that boy, he could have just said, "Mm, sorry about all them, I have my lunch. But no, he shared his lunch. He had been taught to be generous, so he was generous. And in his generosity, it wasn't just one person who got to eat, but thousands. Her act of faithfulness to pack a lunch, her act of faithfulness to teach her child, Now, every time you read that story, you're going to think, okay, the mom's going to get some credit. 
Okay, and so the second story that I found was, in, was a mom in Matthew. And um, it's Matthew 15, and if you want to look it up, it's page 671. And this mom is a little different. Um, a Gentile woman who lived there came to see him, Jesus, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter has a demon in her and is severely tormenting her. So you get the picture. A mom, a Gentile mom, came to Jesus. Now, the thing you have to know is Gentiles and Jews, they didn't mix in that time. They just didn't talk to each other. They didn't come. So that was already like, what's going on? But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to leave, they said. She's bothering us with all of her begging. Then he said to the woman, I was sent only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, not the Gentiles. But she came again, and she worshipped him and pleaded again, Lord, help me. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs, he said. But yes, Lord, she replied, but even dogs are permitted to eat crumbs that fall beneath their master's table. Woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Now here's the thing. Jesus is not racist. It's not that he was saying, Gentile, stay away from me. That's not who Jesus is. He was testing her. He was testing her persistence. Does she really, is she coming to Jesus for the quick, cheap, easy answer? Or does she really mean it? Does she really have the care and the understanding of who God, or who Jesus is, like she said she did? After testing, and she came again and again, she did heal the woman's daughter. And that's who we are to be. Because, um, sorry, what's my question? Because we are to be our children's advocates. Mom, you know that if somebody is against your child, something's going on, you're there. And you're fighting for your child. But that's who God wants us to be before him. Just like that woman went to Jesus over and over again, we're to be there before Jesus every day, praying for our children. We are the best advocate for our children. And... Isn't this, isn't um, the persistence in the faith to go before God every day, isn't that what it's about? And so I challenge you to pray for your children every day. And this is not just for moms and dads, but we are to be praying for each other every day. And so, yes, I pray with my kids before they go to school every day. And I pray with my kids before meals. And that's teaching them, like, we, like I talked about um, the other mom. That's the, the subtle teaching that I do. But when they're in bed at night, um, before I go to bed, I go in and check on each and every one of them. It takes a little bit of time because there are four of them. And I pray for my kids. And I pray for what's going on in each one, of, like what we're dealing with right then, whether it's a, a, a conflict that we're having or, or, you know, those challenges that we're having or just thanking them for, thanking God for what's going on. And yes, I'm praying for my child, but it's realigning who I am as a mom. And it's helping me realize what's going on and helps me change how I'm approaching my my daughter and how I parent. And that's so important for me that I'm allowing God to, to change that. And I'm not just trying to do this on my own. 
And here's the other thing is, um, I love that that doesn't change when you grow up. And this is so important to me, is that I know that my mom and my mother-in-law, they're praying for us. And that has been a lifeline at times. When things have been rough, because starting in church isn't easy, especially when you've got a lot of little people in your house. Just knowing there are people praying for you faithfully, you can depend on that. That's so encouraging. And it gives me so much peace, and I cherish that. I cherish that once you grow up, you don't stop being a child. And I know that you guys feel that, too. And so the other mom is Mary. Because how do you talk about moms in the Bible without talking about Mary? Because she is the mother of Jesus, and he is the perfect child. So she had to have it all together and was really perfect, right? And so check this out. Page 703. In, uh, or no, not 703, 783, well, you know, in that one is 703. And in, Matt, in uh, Luke 2, Luke 2, 41, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual, and after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was with his friends among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem and searched for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him. He was in the temple sitting among the religious teachers discussing deep questions with them. Jesus was missing for three days. I am so relieved. Do you just feel a sigh of relief? Like, Jesus' mom lost him for three days. Okay. Like, I don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Jesus, our Savior, his mom was not perfect. And I love that that story is included in the Bible to just take off all that pressure. Because we don't have it all together. I don't have it all together because I yell at my kids. I'm pretty sure some of you do that too. Okay. Right? Um, God chose Mary not because she's perfect, because of who she is. And I'm realizing more and more that that's what it comes down to. It's who I am that determines what kind of mom I am, not what I do. And so as I was looking and praying about this message and what I had to say, um, I had received this at the women's retreat, um, and Mary had made one for all the women that were there. Highly recommend doing that next year. It was amazing. Um, And I'm like, because I wrote my message in this notebook, and I kept, like, this kept staring at me, and I know you can't read what it is, but finally it sunk in, and it says, her mouth speaks from that which fills her heart. And that's from Luke 6, 45. Did you catch that? Her mouth speaks from that which fills her heart. And that's what I just said. It's who you are that comes out. And so, who are you? If I'm a Christ follower, Christ comes out of my mouth when I speak. And when I am too focused on what's going on and and not who I am and what I'm doing, that's when the ugliness comes out. And if I'm spending more time uh, searching Pinterest 
than I am searching for Jesus, that's what comes out. And here's the other part. Let's stop looking at the Pinterest version of each other because then we're more wrapped up in what, we're, what we see and what others see than in looking for to be admired and to be compared. And here's the thing, moms, we're, we're teammates. We need each other. We're a team. But when you step back to look at someone else, you're removing yourself from your team to look around. And it's isolating, and it ruins relationships, and we lose. We all lose. But when we're with our team, we can look, over, look at each other for support, but not to compare and judge. And I think that that's so key for being able to do this, this, this parenting thing, right? We have to do it together. I know I can't do it on my own. My, my daughter is about to start this tween stage next year. She's going to be in Club 456. I don't know how to do this. I don't. I worked with teenagers. I kind of I have a grasp on them. This in between, I'm like, I need you. You need me because there are some things that I'm better at than others. When we do it all together, it's so much easier. So much easier. We need support. We need to be women that God can use to raise up these little people because when they grow, they're the new humans that change the world. This is my passion. I know that God gave me four beautiful daughters because my job is to raise them to be people that change the world. The world is dying around us. We have to save them. They're dying to have what we have. And if right now what I do is I just mom well, there are moms that see that and can ask for help. And I can give that help. And then I've got four people. There's more. I'm on one. There are four. If I raise them well, it's four more people. can make a difference in this world. Can you tell this is part that I'm really passionate about? But if I'm not who God wants me to be, then how I parent doesn't make that happen. And this is the part that's not just for moms. This is for all of us. Every single person here. It doesn't matter if if you're not who God wants you to be. If what's filling your heart is not from Him. We can't make a difference in this world. So be faithful in the little things, the diapers, the laundry that infinite number of crumbs on the kitchen floor. Teach them little bits every day. You see it. It makes a difference. Advocate before God. The throne of God for them every day about their todays, the things that are happening right now, and their tomorrows. I tell you right now, this may sound really strange, I pray for my daughter's husband's that they're being raised well. Hey, there's a lot of them. They have four fine Christian men that have to be in my future. I pray for them now. I pray for their parents. I'm not kidding you. 
I pray for their parents that they are they are parenting well, that they are loving well, they're instilling values in these men. I prayed for Mark when I was a teenager. I didn't know his name at that time, and I prayed for his parents. My prayers have come true. Being faithful makes a difference. Most important, it's not it's not what you do. It's not the times that you mess up. It's not the times that you do well. It's about who you are. They're really seeing who we are through all the things that we do. And if you are not well, get hope. Or get help. If you're broken, fix. There are those who will love you and support you and walk you through those rough times. Life is too short. Be authentic. Be Christ-seeking. The rest, all that other stuff just flows out and it's easy when your focus is on the right place. Mothers, you are mighty. You are to be respected. You are amazing. You give selflessly, hour by hour, two o'clock hour in the morning, and your rewards come. And it's beautiful. I thank you for what you do because it helps me do what I do because we are in this together. And then, anything that you create from Pinterest, it's just a bonus. It's awesome. (laughs) There are those who say that this is ordinary. But don't let that fool you. Mother will always be the bravest, least ordinary, most difficult, utterly challenging career that anyone ever hopes to lay claim to. While others might hear, diaper changer, food maker, laundry doer, carpooler, bottle washer, sweatpants wear, life on hold, want to be doing anything else, woman. The truth is, whether it feels like it some days or not, you are in fact a shelter from the storm. You are a cape of good hope. You are a warrior who will do battle for your children's hearts, souls, attention, innocence, education, and memories. Go to battle, my friends. This is your time. We will hold strong on either side of you. We will pray for those bottles through the dark watches of the night. And when doubt comes and children break, when adults fail them, and when they push and push as hard against us as the day we deliver them into this world, we will not be broken. We may ache and see cracks tear through our hearts. But we will get up again tomorrow and we will load the clothes and the words that need to be said again and again and again. And when the world tries to claw at them, to break them, to smash the beauty in them, may our walls hold true. May the lessons we've told 
the truths we've lived, the life we've spoken into them come back easily, predictably, with wash and repeat ease. Kingdom business. Jesus work. This shaping of souls. This raising tiny humans. There are those that say this is ordinary. Don't buy it for a second. Mighty. You are mighty because you, Mother. Mother.